0: I'm Mark Kane with the World Economic Forum.
1: And I'm Miriam Vogel with Equal AI. And this is, In AI We Trust. Well, Mark, I am so excited on our podcast today to speak with Representative Yvette Clark. As you know, she is really one of the leaders who's trying to move the needle forward on artificial intelligence with a deep understanding of how bias needs to be addressed as we lead in this space.
0: I'm really excited too, Miriam. Congresswoman Clark has been a leading light in the legislature on issues of AI and on bias, uh, amongst many other things, uh, including cities and, 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 and beyond. And so for me, this is just a real treat to be able to hear directly from her about her vision for how we can do a better job on um, making sure that AI is ethical and serves all of society.
1: Absolutely. I can't wait to learn from her and to share it with our audience. So let's jump in. Today we are so honored and pleased to be joined by Congresswoman Yvette Clark. She is the representative of New York's 9th Congressional District and has served in that capacity for over a decade. She serves on numerous important committees and caucuses, for our relevant purposes today, the Smart Cities Caucus, of which she's the co-chair, the Black Women and Girls Caucus, is she serves as the co-chair, and on the Congressional Black Caucus, among others. We'd like to congratulate you, Representative Clark, on being named Chair of Homeland Cybersecurity Infrastructure Protection and Innovation Subcommittee truly important committee at a poignant time and your expertise will be put to good use, so we'll want to make sure today to talk with you about your agenda for the committee. Representative Clark is also well known for her leadership in the AI space. She introduced a bill with Senators Wyden and Booker in 2019, the Algorithmic Accountability Act, and we look forward to talking with you more about that bill and its purpose today. Congresswoman we are so honored to have one of the leaders in the AI space in the US with us today. And we want to acknowledge that that makes you somewhat, somewhat unique. We know that the US is not well known for its congressional leadership in the tech and AI space. And you've already done so much in this space. In addition to the Algorithmic Accountability Act, you've helped you've sponsored the Virtual Reality Technologies Act, the Deepfake Act, and several others. We'd love to ask you, how did this become an issue you were so passionate about and became such a staunch advocate for?
2: Well, uh, I guess it has to do a lot with uh, sort of uh, my formative years as a young person growing up. Uh, I'd always been a sci-fi geek and, and to watch as our nation has evolved its technological capabilities into the virtual world. Uh, one that we've all had to quickly adopt uh, in light of the pandemic. Uh, I, I, I became very interested in what drives um, our use of technology, why we adopted it, and and how it 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 can be a a real asset to our lives, and and how it can be harmful to our lives. And uh, I saw that as a space uh, that I really like to. Um, know more about, uh, be curious about, and that curiosity led me into sort of a a deeper understanding of the interplay of uh, our private sector uh, corporations that provide a a lot of our technological uh, products, the the ones that we use each and every day, and uh, what that means for inclusion and diversity. And when you have a virtual world that we live part of our lives in, uh, and you're in a physical world, if you will, that um, has uh, had a history of discrimination, it's not a leap uh, to believe that some of that bias and discrimination would be uh, transferable uh, or, and transferred into our virtual world. And so uh, I thought that it was critical that we, we examine this and that we uh, stop it in its tracks so that uh, this is not something that could, that discrimination and bias aren't perpetuated in a way uh, that we know causes harm uh, to, to communities of color and to the greater society. Uh, Because when we when we discriminate, um, we are not uh, bringing forth uh, as much human productivity as we possibly can. Uh, We're not maximizing on all the talent that we have uh, resident in different bodies that uh, make this nation uh, so formidable, so great. Um, But uh, we continue to lag uh, behind in our progress as a result of that.
0: Thank you, Congresswoman Clark. And and I think um, you've, you've just so much in that answer that, that we could dive into and we will, but I wanted to, to just just press you on, on an aspect of it. You know, you, you sort of situated us within this technological moment that we're in, in terms of artificial intelligence becoming this powerful technology that has the potential to, to perpetuate Uh, some of the injustices in our system. Uh, We're also having in this country a a real kind of racial reckoning, uh, particularly over the last year uh, as the coronavirus pandemic has um, uh, affected the country and we've had the, the killing of George Floyd and many other incidents. Maybe you could just help us situate your interest in AI and AI bias in the context of this kind of bigger societal moment that we're in and really help us understand the implications of AI uh, for race and, and and for justice in this country,
2: absolutely. Uh, th- add to uh, the racial reckoning and the health imperative, the economic imperative. Right. Uh, so many people have been laid off. It's usually, you know, uh, last one hired, first one fired. Um, when you when you look at uh, the the hardship of those who are um, underemployed and being able to uh, take care of uh, th- their daily responsibilities, whether it be their rent, buying homes, you know, all of this sort of has converged. Um, and when you think about how we have to apply for everything now online, um, you know, it, it, the implications for uh, Americans who are hired for their dream job, you know, algorithms can determine that. Uh, approved for a home mortgage or even uh, sent to prison. Uh, algorithms are, are, are playing an outsized role in all of that. Um, and, and the problem is that these algorithms can be dangerously biased and result in discriminatory decisions. And so that's why it is, and, and when so let me unpack that a little. Human beings are responsible for programming and creating algorithms. If that human being's experience is limited or has been jaded in any way by an ideological philosophy and that person based on those assumptions, program, uh, you know, code, those algorithms will be a reflection of that person's human experience. And so that is why AI is so important in the lives of every American American. Uh, and will grow in its importance as we continue uh, to uh, bake into everything we do some measure of uh, technological um, um, data mining or, or, or information uh, that is used to make decisions. And so that's why uh, this area uh, is very important for us to uh, really create a, a subject matter around. Uh, we've, we've yet to really really do that. And, and that's part of why I see my voice as being important in this conversation.
1: Absolutely, no question about that. You've described this before as a eureka moment when our inequities are revealed. And it's certainly, as you've explained through the, the, what's transpiring during the pandemic between having access to jobs. Uh, we've seen it in the New York Times recent article on algorithms deciding who has access to vaccines and leading to more complications through that black box algorithms. So there is a need obviously for regulation, for intervention to to make sure that this is being handled in the most equitable way. Can you explain to us how the Algorithmic Accountability Act will help with this eureka moment? Uh, and, And can you explain for our listeners a little bit about how that helps answer some of the really issues of great concern that you've raised already on our conversation so far?
2: So, what our bill does is it 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 requires the FTC to require companies with data on over one million users or with revenue greater than fifty million to conduct bias and security assessments of highly sensitive automated decision systems and then fix any issues that they identify it it, it what it does is that If companies don't audit their algorithms for bias, they can then act surprised when a researcher discovers that their software is perpetuating discrimination. The incentives are flipped with my bill. If you are undertaking due diligence to make sure that your systems are fair, you're not at risk of receiving a bad headline. You are liable under the law. Um, And and so what it does is it incentivizes the work that needs to be done to uproot and unearth any adverse uh, and bias uh, baked into the systems of most of the uh, various uh, platforms that we use. And I think it's critical because one of the things we know is that, you know, there are millions of users out there that just click the button because they want to use the app. They don't know exactly what is going on, but they want to use the app. Their information is immediately put into big data. And we know that um, at the end of the day, while AI systems, uh, their conclusions are are, are brought about based on calculations, that outputs can reflect bias of the programmers or the data sets that are ultimately used to train those systems. And so getting uh, our uh, companies to conduct this bias and security assessment is, is just the, the beginning of the work that needs to be done to unearth this. And you know we're hoping that uh, as we move forward with this legislation, there will be some voluntary work done in this space. Because right now, you know, companies feel like they're profitable uh, under their current uh, methodology. And you know, who wants to you know, uh, disrupt that? Well, we do, <laughs> because we want to make sure that, um, that this is a, a, an equitable society that we live in, and that everything we do is, is mindful of uh, bad practices that have discriminated against significant portions of our civil society.
0: Thank you, Congresswoman. And, and we're certainly very excited about the Algorithmic Accountability Act. And, and, and it, it, every you know, piece of it that you just mentioned seems to me to be really critical uh, as a first step. As you say, of course, it's not everything. And so I wanted to ask you, you know. What else do we need to see? There's, uh, you know, I think, a role for legislation and you're, you're leading the charge on that. You mentioned just now some voluntary action at the company level. Uh, we have a new administration, of course, as well. And um, you know, we'd be curious for your thoughts on uh, what could be done at, at that level from, a, from an executive point of view. What would you like to see uh, as early priorities for the new administration?
2: Well, I'm excited about the Biden-Harris administration for so many reasons. But the new Office on Equity, uh, led by former Ambassador Susan Rice, I think will open the aperture on so many ways in which our uh, society uh, has missed the mark on equity. And within that context is also the virtual world. Um, what is happening with our uh, cyber infrastructure and how uh, big tech, uh, little tech, t- 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 tech tech uh, has not met uh, the mark yet. That is reflective of a diverse and inclusive civil society. And I think well, as we move towards that, the ideas uh, around uh, discrimination and bias. Uh, get mitigated because now you have, um, you know, programmers, uh, leadership in these private sector companies that are uh, conscious of how, um, you know, when programming, we have um, bias baked in. And we'll, we'll seek uh, to mitigate that as we move forward. Uh, to provide products, goods, and services to the American people.
1: And pushing on that a little more, it would be great to know in this Congress and, and from your leadership, do you think we can expect to see more movement in the tech space as a congressional body? I'm also curious in your personal voice, I've seen on on Twitter and elsewhere uh, that you've used your authority to do important things like asking Google about the termination of Timnit Gebru, their lead AI ethics researcher that you had questions about. I'm curious if you've got an answer for them and I'm curious how that fits into what you think we can expect on uh, seeing from you and others in Congress in this space in the coming year.
2: Well, absolutely. Um, this moment is is not just a physical world moment. Uh, again, w- 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 there are so many uh, individuals who are using our tech infrastructure right now, from students who, you know, this could have long-term, lifelong implications for, to our seniors who, you know, whose health uh, is at risk and where algorithmic bias in the healthcare space you know, could mean, you know, adverse consequences for, you know, their longevity. There are so many ways in which, uh, you know, we, we've got to use this moment to turn the page and to uh, have our technology sector far more reflective of the lived experiences of the people uh, that it serves. Uh, and it it stirs all of us. We're talking today uh, via Zoom. And so it's critical that um, we use this moment to sort of crack the code on, no pun intended, (laughs) on uh, what uh, could be um, a very uh, protracted struggle to uh, reverse engineer, if you will, uh, biases, that could be perpetuated for generations to come. And this administration has the infrastructure and the interest to get that done. And so I'm excited about it. And I think we will be able to move um, some really meaningful um, legislation as a result of that. That's encouraging to hear.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, I wanna be respectful of your time. I do want to, to to ask one more question though which is I, I know that um you know you I've heard you speak passionately about about young people and 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 the the opportunities for them uh, to to change the world and to do good in a number of domains but but technology being one of them and I just thought I'd, in case we have any young listeners uh, to the podcast, ask, you know, what your message to them would be as they think about their own careers and the possibilities for them uh, in this space. You know, what advice would you give to a young person, uh, to young people of color in particular, um, who are thinking about this this space and, and, and thinking about their future?
2: Well, I think that this is uh, sort of a new industry and we need to. Call it what it is. It's an it's an industry, just like the automobile industry, just like uh, you know uh, so many other industries that we have come to rely on. Agricultural industry. The great thing about technology is that it crosses every industry, and as we look at uh, sort of this moment where we are, I, I think crossing a Rubicon into a far more technologically advanced civil society. When we look at the imperatives before us, you spoke about my uh, Smart Cities Caucus work, you know, that's, the, that, that's not the wave of the future, that's the wave of now. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at ways in which we establish microgrids for energy conservation. We're looking at, you know, how we uh, establish charging stations in, in, in communities of color, all of that uh, will ride upon an infrastructure based in technology. So opportunities for entrepreneurship are there. Uh, opportunities for new jobs uh, and, and 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 so young people, th- this is your thing. Uh, you know, you you, you wake up uh, using. Your, your smartphones each and every day. And your curiosity about what drives that will drive you into uh, you know, the rabbit hole of understanding how you fit into that uh, ecosystem and what you can do to improve it, what you can do to realize it in your lifetime and build out uh, something enduring for, for generations to come. Young people, uh, regardless of race, ethnicity, religion, uh, are all on the same uh, uh, wavelength when it comes to, to the use of technology. Why not be, go beyond being a user to being a creator? And that's sort of what I'm uh, enthusiastic about, uh, you know, you know, How can we use our creativity and innovation, our imagination, marry that with the science of technology and provide for not only the United States of America, but the world, because we're talking about a global infrastructure to a certain extent that um, will advance humankind, uh, will make life uh, far more efficient and effective in strengthening us as a nation, as communities, as families. So I wanna encourage uh, young people to uh, fear not, but go boldly and adopt uh, a a technology-based mind frame that uh, centers your experience into the framework of developing new uh, and bold technologies.
1: Well, that was certainly inspiring. I don't know if I can be counted among the young people, but I certainly am inspired to do more uh, from people of all ages. (laughs) (laughs) But well, your wisdom and your leadership combined uh, really helps us understand how this all fits into context, where we need to be. Uh, I love your really breaking down that our experience is reflected in what is what we create and we have the opportunity to create in this technology that we are currently all consuming in different ways and we need to make sure that it's equitable uh, for the points you've said, not just that uh, we want to be fair, which is important, but really we all benefit the more voices and, and personalities and experiences that we bring to bear in our technology. So, um, you know, you. Miriam,
2: I share with folks all the time what makes america so special is that we can speak to the world we can speak to the world we have not capitalized on one of our greatest assets and i think that this generation what i call the now generation has that opportunity and we need to create the space as legislators for that to occur Um, and technology can grow that exponentially because you don't have to physically be where your heart desires, you can be there virtually. And that's why uh, engaging one of the most multicultural generations ever in this effort is one that will accrue to the strengthening of our position as a nation and uh, catapult us uh, into uh, the 21st century in such a very substantial and meaningful way.
1: You are so right. Amen to all of that. Uh, and to anyone who says that it does US have the congressional leadership to move us forward in the ways that we need to in the tech space, uh, hopefully they've heard you today and you've answered that question for them. So before we let you go, one quick thing that we like to ask our guests to put in context where their mindset is on AI. If you wouldn't mind sharing with us what you're excited about, fearful of, and looking forward to, we phrase it in the term of uh, the bud, the rose, the, the rose, what are you looking, what are you excited about? The thorn, what are you fearful of? And the bud, what are you looking forward to in the AI space in the near-term horizon?
2: Well, the rose for me is again, the creativity I share with everyone, I'm left-handed. And so um, uh, that, Married with my sci-fi passion, uh, I believe that, you know, what we believe we can achieve. And uh, that has been demonstrated time and time again. Um, And so I want to encourage, again, um, that creativity. Uh, You know, we can uh, build out stronger communities. We can connect rural communities. We can provide energy efficiency. We can uh, mitigate the damages of climate change all of that can be done. We just have to have the will we have the tools and we have the technology to do it. number two, the thorn is if we uh, sit back and uh, don't challenge the status quo uh, the the things that have inhibited us in uh, the physical world will migrate and get hardened in the uh, virtual world, in the technology space. And that would be a shame because we know better. You know, we know better. And essentially we would be stopping the clock uh, on our advancement as a civil society if we don't address that now. Um, If we let uh, profits and greed uh, be our only motivation, then we will be subjected to really um, a a lack of vision around how we protect ourselves um, in this this space. Um, That blind spot can mean harm, can mean mean danger, can mean death, Um, and we've seen that play out already. Um, What I hope for the future is that um, we widen the aperture wide enough to embrace all of the talent, that we make it a real discipline in you know, our elementary schools, uh, through you know, higher ed, uh, so that there's an expertise, pipeline that is constantly fed by the diversity of who we are. And then we give everyone that opportunity and you know, it, 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 that we build a trade out of uh, utilizing uh, technology, uh, maintaining it, sustaining it. Uh, you don't have to have a college degree in many instances in order to participate in this revolutionary uh, 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 utility that we have before us called technology and that we will use every avenue at our disposal to build up the type of robust human resource uh, to, to again, take us beyond the 21st century with uh, the tools, uh, the expertise that we need to make a long lasting impact on the world, um, on our world here in the United States of America, but indeed globally where so many others don't have access yet to what we have as uh, a, a game changer. Uh, and uh, my hope is that one day we will all see and say Wakanda forever.
1: <laughs> what a perfect note to end on. I can't imagine a better touch point inspiration Thank you, Representative Clark, for your inspiration, your leadership, and for taking the time to share that with us today.
2: Thank you, Miriam, and thank you, Mark. It was great being with you. Look forward to further conversations as we move down the road.
0: Thank you so much, Congresswoman.
1: Well, Mark, she certainly gave us a great deal to digest, to think about, and to be inspired by.
0: Absolutely! What an incredible vision that uh, the congresswoman outlined for us. So many important points that she made. You know, for me, what really jumped out is um, uh, just her her way of connecting what we're seeing in the technology world with the broader social developments and and, and issues that are playing out in American society, and really just. Highlighting the stakes of, of of this work that she's doing and of, of of the legislation that she's working on, I'm curious, ma'am, what any, anything that jumped out to you?
1: I really was taken by the way that she broke down how human failings or human realities, uh, as they really are, can impact our technology in ways that harm us that with in pivotal functions, meaning as we decide who is uh, benefiting from job opportunities, from uh, COVID treatments, et cetera, that we need to be so mindful of this technology that is thriving and that is enabling us to succeed and continue to live our lives during the pandemic can also be so limiting if we're not mindful of the biases that are being embedded within.
0: Absolutely. And I think one thing that we've we've heard from several of our guests and and read about for several years now is that one of the solutions to those issues is to actually have a more diverse workforce in the AI industry. And so I was really uh, impressed and, and inspired by the Congresswoman's comments about how young people can get involved in this space and, and how we can uh, nurture a, a more diverse, forward-facing workforce. And and I just found those those comments about uh, future generations uh, really changing how this industry operates to be really just very inspiring. No
1: question, it was a call to action and a role for each of us to play in ensuring that technology is embedded with the best of our values in America and that we reduce the harms that we're perpetuating, uh, which again, each of us from the youth. I'm glad she included us non-youth. Uh, to each of our different perspectives, ethnicities, races are necessary to include, so that in the way that the U.S. has benefited uh, historically from so many different cultures and perspectives, our technology can benefit as well.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think the last thing I'll say is, you know, I think we're in a in a place with AI technology where. We are moving from the kind of early days, the the Wild West, to a time when there is gonna be more legislation, there is gonna be more regulation. And I'm just very happy to have Congresswoman Clark uh, leading the charge in the US because she is just such a thoughtful, uh, educated and and passionate um, thinker on this.
1: Cheers to that.
0: You have just listened to In AI We Trust, Hosted by Miriam Vogel from Equal AI and me, Mark Kane from the World Economic Forum. Subscribe to or download our podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. We always welcome your feedback. And if you like the podcast, please rate us or give us a review. And to learn more or get involved, please visit us at www.equalai.org and www.weforum.org.
1: And a special thanks to NP Agency without whom this podcast would not be possible.